Hey, Scott, it's a new mini-sode. What do you think about that? I have absolutely no feelings one way or the other. You're not excited? I'm excited. No, I'm just really not feeling it today. No, no. Is it the COVID vaccine? It's it's the vax. It's the it's the COVID. Uh, I, I, I'm 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 scared, Chris. I'm scared that when I get the COVID injected into my left arm, I'm going to grow extra lip, limbs. I'm afraid it's well, going to melt my cartilage. Well, I mean, you are almost certainly going to turn into a big breasted nine and a half foot tall vampire lady. Okay, well, never mind, actually. I'm in a pretty good mood. Hello. Now you're into it. Uh, yeah. Now you're into it. Hell now yeah. You like Booba? It. Booba, yeah. dude? Hell yeah, now, dude. Now it's now now it's now it's bring on the vaccine. Yeah, now it's let absolutely. me turn into no, is, let me turn into booby tyrant lady. Is that the premise of Resident Evil 8? Do you have the inside scoop? Is that what you're telling me? I <sighs> I, can't, I just can't stop fapping to it. Yeah, me either. Yeah, <laughs> neither yeah. neither can Capcom. Clearly, welcome, welcome back to King. <laughs> welcome back to King of the Faps. Welcome yeah. back to King of the Shill. We're talking about sexy, tall vampire lady things today. I guess. Uh, yeah, welcome back to King of the Shill. My name is Chris. I'm Scott, and uh, we're checking in on a minisode. You might, if you've been following along, be wondering to yourself. Don't they usually release minisodes on Wednesdays? You would be correct. However, Scott and I had a bit of a hard heart and we decided, gee, it's getting really hard to record so yeah. much. So so we're gonna we're gonna now that we've got a nice backlog of material, we're gonna be moving our minisodes to Fridays now on the off weeks, and we'll be scaling them back a little bit so that we can just let the shills take center stage when it's their turn to show up. Is yeah, that right? Exactly. We, we don't want to have five minisodes to every shill. That's not the intention of what we're doing here. So we're going to slow our go yeah. a little bit. Yeah. And we're also fucking running out of shit to talk about too, because there's so much, there's only yeah. so much awesome shit in the world, right? Yeah. Well, this is, this is not a complaint about destiny and or star trek and or whatever podcast either yes that is correct this is a uh at the end of the day we are talking about shit that we like and speaking of shit that we like mm -hmm. we're not well so i like dnd you don't like dnd but that's for that's, <laughs> conversation that's, for another day hold on though because that's a, it's a loaded, loaded, loaded statement yeah <laughs> i i like a different dnd than what is being sold to idiots like you in the modern day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I but I, we have a, an an appreciation for D and D at least what what it it represents at its core. And they're doing a new um, Dark Alliance game mm -hmm. now. I've I've never played Dark Alliance, so when I saw this get announced and I started seeing footage about it, my interest was extremely peaked. So. Um, but but this isn't this isn't a new series. They have old games is what you're telling me. Yeah. So uh, talking about I mean, I'm going to have to assume that everybody knows what Dungeons and Dragons is, is listening. If you don't just go look at them somehow. Right. But yeah, uh, Google, Wikipedia, there's this huge swirling vortex of content for Dungeons and Dragons over the many years of its life from books 
to games to yeah. uh, just even the material that the tabletop game itself has. Right. Right. Yeah. So Dark Alliance runs backward through like three different through lines of content. Right. There's first of all, R.A. Salvatore, who's a very famous uh, fantasy author who wrote the Driss Doerden series. Uh, it's about a drow elf ranger. He's like very, very popular D&D character as a result of these books, right? Yeah, and drow, drow's like... The drow elves are like the the dark the, the darker elves. Yeah, they're, they're darker skinned. They worship they worship different gods. They're evil aligned underground elves that worship a devil spider queen. Yeah. So and they're they like fucking very, sick. They're very edgy, and Drist is like the most edgy. Drist is unironically the teleports behind you, sorry, nothing personnel kid. He's an yeah. he's an anti-hero. So um yeah. I was, White hair and all. I was obviously very into those books when I was in high school. <laughs> so um but um, so running backwards, right? Dark Alliance comes from the Dristo Erden series and the Icewind Dale trilogy of books, which is also represented in a game. There's like this inner interchangeability between the game lore and the video game lore is what I mean here in the book lore. Uh, and also the Baldur's Gate series, which people may know from the recently released to early access Baldur's Gate three which yeah. is basically dead to me because it has nothing yeah. to do with Baldur's Gate <laughs> one and two, which yeah, are, right. in my opinion, some of the best RPGs ever created. Um, but Baldur's Gate got itself some hack and slash kind of RPG light spinoffs back in the PS2 and GameCube era called the Dark Alliance series. There was Dark Alliance one and Dark Alliance two. And mm-hmm to be as reductive as possible they're basically dungeons and dragons diablo right well, it, it's yeah. like diablo more akin to gauntlet right whereas diablo is very much um more of a click based ability hot bar based this is more of a like true kind of hack and slash experience but yeah like activate abilities hit your weapons stuff yeah. like that and it's it's a console based hack and slash RPG light. And I really liked those games when I played them back when they came out, they had a lot of like, I don't want to call them novel ideas. Cause I don't think they were ever the first to come up with anything, but it was just cool to like level up and get dungeons and dragons abilities. Like the wizards get like different spells as they level up and like enemies wouldn't respawn. So you really felt like you were doing stuff and, um, yeah, right. It, it was different than something like Diablo. It, it was more immediate kind of pickup. It, it was the fast food, right? To yeah. to Diablo's uh, four course meal, right? It's I, just, I, I, I like stuff like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I, I mean, obviously, I don't know if the, if the new Dark Alliance is going to be, you know, have that sort of same uh, feel to it. That's sort of same thematic framing for the player engagement perspective, but. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh I always I have very fond memories of stuff like um uh not not necessarily Diablo but what the fuck am I trying to think of like we we mentioned Jedi power battles not too long ago right sort yeah. of like these like third person almost like angled top down kind of experiences where it was that action hack and slash like X-Men Legends right yeah. and you know Marvel Ultimate Alliance right like that that shit I love all that shit so 
Um, I'm definitely interested to check out check out the the older ones there. So like, you know, what I, I guess for me is like just out, out of my own curiosity, like when you talk about sort of how it seemed like, you know, like Diablo, but a little bit more hack and slashy, like do you, like, did you, do you think that that sort of, that sort of style, like, is how we arrived at stuff like, um, like Diablo three and how that sh- like shakes out or is there like, is it, was it like, it, it's totally own unique thing. It, it's definitely not Diablo three. Uh, as someone who has played Diablo three for like over a hundred some hours, 200 hours on PC, and also I've done three or four playthroughs on the Switch, which is there the console-based version of Diablo is much more akin to Baldur's Gate, but it's still different. Yeah. I think the core differences are, and I don't I don't think it was necessarily anything like inspiration, back and forth, whatever. I think that Dark Alliance was probably trying to make a Diablo-esque experience, not Diablo, right? It's not like a right. ripoff. Um, but I think that Diablo is characterized by the loot grind and the grind and the fast paced, high octane, visually like I'm saying cluttered, but I don't mean it as an insult, but visually cluttered gameplay. Like you think about uh, when I think about Diablo, I think about Paladins and Diablo 2. And just Mm. the sheer amount of visual noise they would create. Right. And it's true of a lot of classes, but it's similar. There's it's similar in that you dungeon crawl and you're killing a bunch of enemies and you're hacking slashing, but you're not grinding for loot. Right. You're not going to see tons of loot drops. You're advancing purely in this like gauntlet-esque hack and slash uh kind of way uh do you remember the lord of the rings hack and slash games that were out at the time on the ps2 Dude, first of oh all those games God. were sick those games are fucking so good it's not more, the fellowship game we're talking the two towers and yeah, return of the king exactly and for also brief aside there was also an excellent true rpg on the PS2 that we'll have to talk about sometime. I don't know if you ever played it. It was like an original story. It was so okay. fucking good. Yeah. It, really? like, I'm, ta- I'm talking like Final Fantasy-esque, right? So uh, it's it's more akin to those kinds of games, right? Like where it's first, it's it's more Diablo in its presentation. It's very isometric, very walking across maps that are like right, flat, right? right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's more akin to the Lord of the Rings game. And it's more that you're progressing through content and not looking back and not worrying so much about what you picked up and then getting power increments through leveling and things like that. Interesting. That's cool. The new one seems like it's it's going to be putting like a loot a loot sort of thing into it, Mm -hmm. which like, you know, I don't know if you can really make a video game like that in 2021 without having some kind of like, you know, loot grind or some kind of grind to keep people coming back. I mean, even stuff like, you know, we talked about outriders when it was the last week or the week before even stuff like outriders that's out there saying like, Hey, we're not a live service game. You know, we're not going to do the whole games as a service thing. Like, you know, 
they ha- like the whole thing to get you coming back for them is like the a, a loot grind, right? So like this isn't going to be something like um you know, the last of us too, where it's strictly meant to tell you the story and progress forward. You are meant to go back and replay these missions several times and, you know, level up characters and, you know, unlock skill trees and look at specifications and careers and classes and stuff like that. So I don't think that's a a stretch for an evolution of this type of game either. I mean, like these are games that existed before the concept of a left for dead. They existed before the concept of, right. Um, like, I mean, even the modern looter shooter. Yeah, exactly. Modern looter shooter. So I, I think it's a natural evolution. I don't really see a problem with it. But the yeah, the, the one thing about these kinds of games is the level of attachment, I guess I'll say. Right. So where where I would think it, it would go off the rails is if they lean too much into the kind of the gas concept of like, this is your global uh Drist level and the more yeah. you play Drist like you don't you want to play fast and loose with the content right like mm-hmm. right this isn't a problem in a game like Vermintide but you don't want to load the player down with burdens and responsibilities to get in and slice shit up right yeah right so I, I think that's probably the number one concern i would have about a game like that because in dark alliance again this is the ps2 era right this is pre-internet you just have your character save on your memory card and you're going through the story and you're whatever level you are right and when you're done Mm -hmm. with that character if you want you can go back and play with another one so yeah that's that's i i definitely see and a lot of the things that i've seen on the new dark alliance it definitely appears to me like that's what their intention is, right? Mm-hmm. Like even with the even with the loot stuff, and granted, I haven't, I've I've only seen what's available to the public, right? Obviously, because it's not out yet. It comes out in June, but um, you know, it seems like they're at least the, what they're saying is is their goal with the loot is just to give you an additional form of um, you know, power, uh, you know, power powering up, and also just something more to engage with, where it's like you know, with Drist, for example, like he's got his short swords, you know, cause he's, and this is another thing actually that I heard too, real quick as an, as an aside, you mentioned Drizzt is the character from the novels. Um, they're <clears throat> one of the things that, and you know, you can keep myself honest on here on this, but one of the things that they mentioned, which I thought was kind of cool was that, um, a lot of people like depending on the novel, that you're talking about or the adaptation of the character. Sometimes he's represented as a fighter. Sometimes he's represented as a rogue. Sometimes he's represented as, uh, as a ranger. Right. And what they were saying about this one is that like this dark Alliance, they're leaning a little bit further into like the rogue assassin type elements of his gameplay. So this definitely like, it looks like it's, it's going to be more about like, we're going to give you, like four very distinct separate classes out of the D and D you know, player's handbook. And I think they wanted to get away from having, um, you know, the tankier character and, you know, maybe the, the fighter as Drizzt feel a little bit too similar, but um, is he, are, are, are they represented that way? Like 
in the previous games? Like, is there a big distinction on their classes? Well, there, yeah, so there's a big distinction between classes. This is the gauntlet thing. Drist yeah. and the other games are set in the same universe, but you don't play... Like, I think Drist is like an unlockable character, maybe, but they're not like Drist games, right? Oh, okay. I'm not even sure if I'm saying his name right, like if it's Drizzt or whatever, but... It's uh, like, D-R-I-Z-Z apostrophe T yeah. for anybody following along. I'm pretty <laughs> it's sure some it's... some D&D shit. Yeah, I think it's Drist, but either way, they're not Drist games, right? It's it's just it, it happens in the same universe. Mm-hmm. And this one, the new one is apparently, I did some quick Googling set in the ice. It is a Drist game right yeah it's right after the it's a drist game and it's either right after or during the icewind dale trilogy which is like specifically a drist storyline like this is somehow tied into in some way a drist novel so that's cool yeah but the as for how they're represented you're playing the hack and slash equivalent of dnd classes the wizards gotcha, okay. level up yeah. and learn <laughs> dnd spells right yeah right so cool and you have different attributes you can put points into and things like that there is gear i don't it's been a long time so i can't remember like how much of it is really loot driven i think it's more that it's level driven by my recollection but Mm -hmm. yeah well what would you say like for you and i think you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier um but what would you say for you like in our private conversation, you said if it, and I, and I do want to quote you here because I wholeheartedly agree. If it doesn't suck shit, I will play it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, for you, like, what's that gonna? What is that gonna be for you? Right. Like, what what's gonna be the determining factor on whether or not you might stick with something like that? My thing with Left for Dead style games, Left for Dead is one of my favorite games ever made. I mm, yeah go back to it all the time i think it's i think it's the perfect blend of uh, I, I, let me actually describe it instead i think it is the perfect co-op shooter party game right like yeah when i when it first came out on the 360 i used to play after school this is back when i was in high school with my friends mm-hmm. and we would try to get all the achievements and try and beat every level level on the hardest difficulty and all this kind of stuff and that stuff was really fun but it is like the perfect Smash Brothers esque, wacky, zany, like mitigating random happenstance kind of sh- co op shooter experience, right? Like, oh no, I got hit by a smoker when I was doing this dumb thing over here, right? Right. The thing that misses me on a lot of these games, I do like Vermintide. I played Vermintide uh, one and two uh, through to completion, and I got several characters to max level, right? Which, by the way, new free expansion for Vermintide 2 coming on 420. Ooh, I didn't even know that. Continue. I'm excited for Dark Tide 2, but... Yeah, me too. Where where games like that do miss me is I don't like the... Like I mentioned before, the burden that can be placed on the player, right? If I have to worry about leveling up a character, usually to be able to see and do all the things I want to do and worry about loot and worry about having an optimal build. That stuff tends to turn me off in Vermintide. I don't have an issue with it. I think because it's very, it's very quick to change. Right. Yeah. Um, Mm. So that's one exception. But then the other thing is left for dead has 
very little content in the grand scheme of a modern multiplayer online game right i would agree with that there are yeah. not there are not that many maps right but the fun of left for dead is the interactions in those maps and the variety within right yeah it right. is not a problem to me to play left for dead 2's carnival level over and over because it doesn't happen the same way every time if a game like this is very uncreative with its mid game mechanics right yeah the things that can go wrong the variance in the gameplay and the player agency i will be bored instantly if yeah this this is actually one of my problems with like a destiny right right mm. i can't handle doing that content over and over again because nothing really changes right yeah and i think in in those instances you know if you're not going to have the content itself in some way offer a fresh variety mm-hmm. uh, or, or a fresh take on and or, and or some kind of variety on the proceduralness of the gameplay itself. Like, I think that adding something like a leveling up system for a character or a um, like a loot get, for example, doesn't really achieve the goal that they're trying to achieve with that which is to give you a reason to come back for repeat engagement and i think a really fucking good example of this is world war z right world war z is fucking so much fun especially when you get into a group of people and can do like yeah whatever effectively like the protect the base survival horde modes right those are so much fun when World War Z was free on the Epic Game Store shortly after COVID hit last year and me and a couple of your buddies picked it up and we were playing pretty steadily every, every few days, that shit was so much fun, right? Because there's there's this really fun sort of loop of like this the, the pyramiding that the zombies do, right? It doesn't yeah. matter what you're shooting them with. It's fun to make put yourself in a situation where they're pyramiding up and you're like, how am I going to blow these guys up today? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the downside to that, in my opinion, is that the levels and the experiences are so tight and contained and procedural themselves that you start to be able to, you, you know, when the pyramids are coming. Yeah. The fun thing about World War Z is that when you're first playing it, is that these pyramids happen just like they happen in the film where all these zombies are stacking up on one another and you're gunning them down and they're falling all over each other and you're you're taking a machine gun and you're through the bottom the bottom row of the zombies and the whole pyramid comes crumbling down and you're just like this is fucking sick dude i need to do this all the time right the problem is is when you when you play it enough And you have to play those levels a lot because the secondary part of World War Z, the actual game, is to level up and prestige your classes and level up and unlock new variations of the weapons that you can use that have different attachments, right? You can only do this one way, and that is by playing the game, playing the same levels over and over again, and this is where I start to see that's that that difference in this, right? And why I think this is a good example of, you know, what your concerns would be for Dark Alliance is that it doesn't matter how many times you go into World War Z to level your character up, when you've 
when you've obliterated all the pyramids with every gun and you've seen every single pyramid set piece where the zombies are falling over themselves, it runs out of like gas essentially it loses gas in its gas tank to get to get to get you to come back and that was my experience with it and still is every so often i think about going back to playing that game and sometimes we do and it's a lot of fun but it still does not spark the same joy that left for dead sparks in that in 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 uh you know like in that mid game and in saying like it's not just enough to have the special zombies and the pyramids it's about how you set those things up to create a new unique experience for the player every time. And something like World War Z is too procedural. And I think that's sort of what you're getting at with Dark Alliance is if the mid game is too procedural and it's less about progressing through to see the story and just doing the encounters and more about you have to play this shit so that you can level up Drizzt and get the cool short swords. It's probably going to have a short shelf life for you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because it's it's really the thing of like you said if if a, a level can start to feel still when the same things go wrong every single time you play it yes right? exactly it, it's it's the thing of left for dead due to its um i don't know what they call it like the the it's like some kind of word for manager right but basically they have an ai that decides hey it's been a minute since you've had something go wrong, right. I'm going to spin the wheel over here. And oh, hey, it landed on tank. Have a tank. Right. And, and right. You, you get that constant buildup as you're going through the level of it's been a while since something go, has gone wrong. It's going to happen any minute now, but it's never the same thing and it's never the same exact point. Right. So, yes. And and I think the 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 key to executing that well and really where that concept shines for me, right? To pull, to pull, to add on to your example is that you've dumped hundreds to thousands of hours into Left 4 Dead. I have dumped hundreds of hours into Left 4 Dead as a youth and into my adult life. A few months ago, we played with a bunch of friends that have also dumped a lot of time into Left 4 Dead and we still had those moments in our old age of our thirties now yeah, where we're doing shit like, Oh shit, there's a witch here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, it's not, it's so much different to say like, you know, just an FYI, make sure you save your grenades. There's a huge encounter coming up with a lot of pyramids. Mm -hmm. It's a different thing to say that than it is to say, like you said, it's awfully quiet right now. It's been a minute. Oh, fuck a tank. Yep. <laughs> right. Bum, and I, bum, bum. The music yeah. starts playing part of it's part of that, too. It's like, the, yeah, the, I mean, it's the whole package for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's but that's, yeah, that's my that's my thoughts on this. It, it will not suck shit if it's not a predictable, repetitive game. Yeah. What I want out of this is something that's more fun to engage with because the combat and the gameplay itself is bringing me back rather than, well, if I want to do the most damage, I've got yeah. to get the levels and I've got to play these and so on and so forth. To your point about Vermintide, right? Vermintide's very quick. It's very easy to level up. They are very obviously focused on making sure that the point of the game 
is to get in there and swing your fucking sword around. Mm -hmm. Right. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, you know, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it more on the show, um, a little bit more in depth, but for anybody interested in, uh, D and D games or anything that sounds like this, you can go wishlist it on steam right now. And I think it's June 22nd is when it comes out. And one of the things that I really like about it too, is that it's one of the games that's following this trend right now of if we're giving you a tight focused experience, right. We're going to charge a price point for it that reflects that. Right. And so right now D and D dark Alliance for the standard edition is 39 99. So really reasonable price point that I think, you know, reflects the type of experience that you're getting. Right. And I'm just really hoping that it delivers on what I want it to deliver on. I'm not even going to say, I hope it delivers on what it's promising because it hasn't really promised much, which could either be a, a really good thing or a really bad thing. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, but we got a new show coming up next week, Scott. We have a new show coming up. We have a overarching story coming up, man. We do. And I think we want to get into that a little bit here. So yeah, why don't, why don't you, why don't you tell the people exactly what we're getting ourselves into uh, here? <laughs> do I have to? Uh, uh, so we, yeah. uh, <laughs> we have a lot of tastes in common. You and I, yes, right. Yes, Even on do. things that I don't necessarily participate in as much as you, right. I'm thinking wrestling, I'm thinking looter shooters, things like that. Yeah. I don't not like these things. I just don't spend time in them. Right. right. Like I don't have an issue with destiny. It's just, I don't want to put in that much time with it. I don't have an issue with wrestling. It's just, I don't feel like going and watching some of this stuff. And I know, I think you have some things to say about that coming up too, but <laughs> someday soon. Yes. One thing that I know I like a lot and is a major part of some of the content I consume, not just in like the TV space that you don't is anime, right? That's right. That's right. Scott. I am a huge unapologetic weeb. I like a lot of stuff from Japan. There's a lot of stuff I don't like from Japan, but I mean, just in looking back on the things I've talked about on this show in the mini sodes, right? Like I've been playing so many JRPGs, right? Right. There yeah. is a part of your brain that can catalog some of that stuff under anime. The game stories that populate some of these RPGs are the most anime things ever created. Right. So right. I like this a lot. And I think there are things that you will like too. And this presents a problem because I want to talk to you about a lot of this stuff, especially as the show goes on, whether yeah, right. they be animated TV shows, animated movies, or even certain video games and things like that, that like lean more into the anime space. I want to be able to talk to you about this stuff, but I worry because to an extent, rightfully so, and to an extent, unfairly, anime has a reputation. Yeah. <laughs> Before I go into this, can you give us a little bit of background of like, if someone says to you anime, right? Like maybe, maybe even a few years ago. If someone said yeah. to you anime, if if before I had showed you any of them, for example, like when I said, hey, Chris, you want to try an anime fighting game? What do you picture in your brain? Right. Uh, OK, so I mean, the first thing that I picture in my brain is Dragon Ball Z, right? Yeah. Like Dragon Ball Z, Goku. I immediately see Goku. Right. Um, 
I have, and we will dive into this a lot further over the course of the show, but I, as probably mentioned before, I've had a really strange history with media and, and things like that. And, you know, my childhood went through a lot of ebbs and flows about what I was allowed to watch, what I wasn't allowed to watch, what I, what, when I could, when I couldn't, and like trying to work my way around that and, you know, sneak content in, in certain ways. But, um, so for me, anime is, is actually two things. It's Dragon Ball Z, right? An image mm-hmm. of Goku in my head from my childhood. And then it is also Tank, the Cowboy Bebop theme. Oh, okay. Well, I think you even have a more advanced understanding than most other normies. Cause at least for me, I know when I was younger, at least it's a lot more acceptable now too. When sure, I was yeah, younger, definitely, definitely when I was younger, when you said anime, people thought of hentai. They thought <laughs> of like cute anime girl shows. They thought of, shit. yeah, yeah. They thought of super edgy, Sailor Moon. cringy well, not not even sailor moon because we'll talk about that stuff later too uh, that, okay. i actually All like right. sailor moon even though it's yeah. it's like it's aged but sure right um or uh cute girls doing cute thing cute things shows like like little preteen girls that like people kind of it's weird it's gross i don't like that kind Ew. of stuff but yeah skeevy anyway. shit Weir- yeah well well i don't want to say skeevy and misrepresent but it, stuff it that makes it you doesn't go ha- hmm. it doesn't have to be skeevy there yeah. are lots of people that make it skeevy okay right? go that, all right that's so fair yeah uh then there's like super edgy shit like naruto right like naruto was the thing with edgelords like socially awkward people when i was in high school at least and that was actually part of what turned me off to it. Right. But yeah, these are the types of like negative connotations that, um, uh, people think about the anime, like the, the number one meme at the time, this is like pre Twitter. So the meme culture was very different, but like the, the Garuga mesh video, uh, in for like an anime con advertisement <laughs> where they're all in this bar and they're talking about what they're going to do at the con. And they're talking about all these things. It's like the guy at the end of our goes, yeah, like Garuga mesh. It's like the, the, <laughs> They're all like just what really greasy looking, fuck. socially awkward teens, right? Like that's anime to people. Yeah. Right. Now, mm. what I like about anime is very different, right? Uh, I I like I like a lot of garbage. Uh, let me be honest <laughs> with myself, right? Like I like Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball yeah. Z is is good for two arcs and then garbage for the rest uh well dragon ball z and to to call this out specifically because um like i have watched a lot of it right um i was not a super fan like my my little brother is a super fan he's seen every episode Mm -hmm. every movie he has a shitload of toys right also all sorts of cool shit that he's got collectibles right but um i i was i definitely knew the dragon all of dragon ball z wasn't great right but that has got to be the most rose colored glasses of, of these like sort of pop culture properties, because I recently went back and rewatched all of Dragon Ball Z and two arcs is definitely accurate. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of garbage in anime and we'll come to that very quickly here too, but I like Dragon Ball Z. Like I got into anime through Toonami, the Toonami block. I don't same. know if that was, yeah. Yep. Okay. So same. Um, yep. Anything that aired on Toonami was like my gateway drug. I used to I had I played a lot of sports at the time for elementary school and middle school. So I had to VHS record Gundam for when I got home so I could watch the latest Gundam episode. But um, 
I like a lot of trash anime garbage, but really what draws me to it is there are so many extremely talented people creating content that whether it be for mass consumption or not, they're ju- they just happen to be working in this medium coming from a culture that is very insular, right? So they have a very uh, specific cultural context, a very specific professional context where they're all looking at each other's work. There's not a lot of anime coming from other countries, right? Starting, right, right, but when you right. say animation in the US, you probably think of like Looney Tunes or, or like the Disney. Or, or the Simpsons, right? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. I, I love the Simpsons. I love Futurama. But there isn't a lot of anime coming from other countries, right? What I want to get across to you with this series of shills is what there is to like an anime from what we'll be talking about in our first show, Yakuza, which I think is a good gateway drug. Go ahead. So this is this is going to be an arc. This it's, is going to this is not just one shill. This is this is the Saiyans have landed on Earth. You're in for a whole arc, <laughs> my friend. Well, who's Raditz? Uh, I am Raditz and Nappa and Vegeta. So, I am all the Saiyans. Yes, I am well, all the Saiyans. I am all the Bulmas. As as Frieza said, dirty monkey. <laughs> but, uh, I. Uh, I am all the Saiyans and I will be beating anime into you until your power level is enough to to chase me (laughs) off the planet. All right. Over 9,000 might not even be enough. Right. You're going to have to go Kaioken times 30 here. So, oh God. So anyway, yes, this is an arc. We're going to be starting with Yakuza, which is a video game that is very special to me. Uh, It is a, wacky zany kind of beat em up with some light rpg elements very light rpg elements and a very anime inspired story it basically oozes all the tropes and the real feeling of something that is anime right okay. from its bombastic over the top action to its kind of comical plot contrivances its uniquely japanese sense of humor all these things right this is to put you in the mindset of what really pops me about anime. And we'll talk about that a lot in this first show. So would you say that this is kind of like the, the bullet point outline of here are the generic themes that really get me going. Yeah. That you can find throughout pretty much any, all of anime. Well, right? It's, it's, trying to tackle tackle the challenge i think you're right but it's trying to tackle the challenge of how do you explain to someone why you like psychological horror films right because we're talking about not even just a genre of movie try try explaining to someone why you like italian spaghetti western films yeah right? like <laughs> It, we're talking about a medium and a medium localized to a specific region. And it's not something that is easily bullet pointed. So I'm hoping right. with Yakuza that we can kind of get you to this point of through example, through metaphor, understanding some of the concepts of what I am classifying as anime. 
right? So it, it's going to be bullet points, but I think it's more that I just want you to kind of live in it I, and not necessarily point things out. And for you to have this baseline of when you're going to meet my, my boy, Kiryu, my son, when he <laughs> when he <laughs> absolutely pulverizes a dude into the pavement with a motorcycle, you're, the first instinct you might have might be, well, that's just not realistic at all. And I want you to I want you to come to the point with me where you're able to say, I don't care if it's realistic or not. That shit is sick. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I think one of the cool things about this is that it's really going to sort of make me take a look at what the the gates are for me to to getting into anime, right? Because um Yakuza which one Yakuza 0, I assume. Yeah, we're going to start with Yakuza 0. Okay. So Yakuza 0, right? is a game that I've seen a thousand times in front of my face on the Xbox game store on game pass, right? Um, friends of the show, the one up cup have played it uh, several times, right? Uh, on their YouTube channel, which you can check out uh, on YouTube. Um, YouTube channels exist on YouTube in case you didn't yeah. know. Um, we've got one. You can check that out. Listen to the pod there. Um, so, I mean, I've seen it a ton of times, at no point have I ever been like, I'm going to play that, right? Yeah. And it's not necessarily be because I, I look at it like, um, like, for example, I fucking hate the Elder Scrolls games. I just don't mm -hmm. like them, right? Mm -hmm. Tried every single one of them from Morrowind to Skyrim. I've lasted at, at most 15 hours in, in any of them before walking away, right? It's not like me looking at advertisements for the Elder Scrolls 6 and just being like, positively, no thank you. Right. I just I know I'm not ever going to be interested in this, but it absolutely is one of those things of like, despite how cool I think this box art looks, despite how neat I think the theming is. I do not think the style of this is for me, and you think that could not be more incorrect. Yes, I think knowing what I know about you from. Many of our experiences from playing Destiny, playing fighting games, the way you talk about wrestling to me, all these different things, the way we talk about shows, you are an anime fan. You just don't know it yet. And I think <laughs> that there's a barrier there of where I'm taking it next after Yakuza, right? I'll keep it a secret for now, but there's so many films, TV shows. It's a whole medium, right? It's like saying I don't like Netflix, it's a very broad statement. It's not even Netflix. That's like saying I don't like movies or well, something it's, like that's that. It's so right? interesting to frame it that way, too, because I and I do not immediately internalize like the concept of anime. Right. Like you said, like, what's the th what do you think of when you hear the word anime? I don't immediately internalize it as a broader thing like a Netflix. Right. Or. You know, uh, like you said, like uh, uh, Italian spaghetti westerns, like it definitely feels like. Uh, more like a, um, you know, uh, like just sort of like a like like a like a product, right? Anime yeah. being a product rather mm -hmm. like a product rather than an, a medium or an art form or something like that. Yeah. And I think that's just because I'm was born and raised in North America, right? Yeah. Well, it's also because I think part of the issue with this stuff and the beauty of doing the King of the Shill show is, I think that it's hard to. Unless you're a very adventurous person with your time and you're willing to take big L's right of watching yeah. 
yeah, right. entire shows and things like that, only to have them kind of blow up in your face. Right. I think it's hard to get into certain things without the right background. If something that doesn't immediately catch you is like if you don't get the wow factor sold to you from the first moment, you might never pick something up and you might never take the next step. Right. For me, as soon as I had saw the things on Toonami, I was in. Right. I was buying DVDs right. at Best Buy. I was trying to I was on all the forums. I was trying to figure out what was happening. Right. I <laughs> yeah, was I right. was in from day one. But like with Netflix, it's so weird comparing a medium to a fucking streaming service. But, yeah, sure, uh, right. but like with Netflix, right, you don't watch everything on Netflix. That doesn't mean you don't like Netflix. Right. Right. There, there's yeah, stuff right. you scroll past immediately like, nope, not happening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And then there's Most stuff you see that's like, oh, this looks really cool. I'm going to check this out. So part of my job here is getting you into these, like showing you a great anime movie and talking through why this is great, not only because it's a good movie, but it's great because it's anime, right? Or getting you into a show. I talk to you about One Piece a lot. We're probably right. not going to do One Piece just because of the sheer size of it. But yes. yeah. like there's... There's this there's TV shows, too, that aren't these like great magnum opuses because they have to stretch out a a tiny animation budget across a whole 26 or 13 episode series. Right. It it costs a lot of money to animate things. But even though they're a step down in quality from some of the like the high art of the films or whatever, they're still just as great. There's so much to love there. And you might not get that from just browsing through wherever and seeing it right you might have to have someone explain to you why it's so cool and i think that too um i think that it's hard for for people that don't have that immediate desire to just pour over it and and learn about it and 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 try to consume as much as possible like you were saying is um you know there's it almost feels like for most people their concept of anime is one or both of shonen anime and mm-hmm. studio ghibli right yes where it's like this is the anime you know what i mean so when you then take a you know take a look and it look at something like um geez i mean i don't i don't even know but i Neon know that genesis there is, avangelion sure they're perfect right like a more adulterated like something that's a little bit more high-minded something that's a little bit more um you know, metaphorical than a Dragon Ball Z. Um, you know, I think that people tend to look at that as like, this is for, <laughs> this is for sweaty dudes and half priced books, right? Yes. Uh, so it, it's weird too, because I think, I think part of this is, I mean, not, not that like, I, I think a lot of otaku, you're going to hear this word a lot. Uh, otaku is a basically stolen word. It's not even really what it means in Japanese, but. It's yeah, a way that like Westerners weird. refer to themselves when they're like into anime. Right. Right. So it, it basically means nerd. Right. Just you get to think of it as a nerd. But um, Western otaku, I think, come from this perspective that like Japan is this mecca for people that like anime because like I was mentioning earlier here in the West, things that are animated are generally made only for children for the most part there are exceptions there are adult focused tv shows they're mostly comedies irreverent comedies or raunchy comedies right there's not a lot of directly adult focused animation and that puts a chip on some people's shoulders 
So you have things like Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? One of my favorite shows. It's not a bold take. I think most people feel that way, right? Uh Yeah. That is a adult focused, dramatic, hyper violent, highly metaphorical show about traumatized teenagers and robots fighting god's angels and the oncoming apocalypse jesus christ yes it's this is on my short list of things to show you that are a tv show is evangelion this is this is um hideaki ano did you watch uh shin godzilla yeah yeah i've seen hideaki ano oh sick that's awesome so uh evangelion's on the short list but you have this and like you said, because culturally we don't come from a place where like that's a normal thing, right? It's like, okay, this is for people that are a little too into this stuff, right? Well, you you look at you look at the way that even North America's own animation like that um has been treated. And it's it's largely been relegated to late night television. And when it's not, it's constantly uh, you know, a, a topic of controversial conversation. I mean, like I mean, I come from, and I know I have like five years on you, so this might even apply to you though, because it's not a whole lot of time. But I mean, I come from a childhood where I distinctly remember my parents being like, you are not allowed to watch the Simpsons. And like to Mm -hmm. say that to a child today, it would be like, really? (laughs) The Simpsons is what you're worried about, right? I I had the same thing. My parents were like, the Simpsons will rot your brain. They're they're morally corrupt. It's like, what do you mean, right? We're like, how how far gone are we from South Park? 25 years? Yeah, something like that. Like, the idea, it can't be 25 years. I'm going to lose my mind if that's the case. No, 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 because South Park premiered when I was in 6th or 7th grade. And I was in sixth grade in 98, I think, 97 or 98. So it's close. If it's not at 25, it's fucking close. Are you looking it up? Oh, my God. I'm so (laughs) old. I'm so old. It's like 24 years. It's 1997. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking crazy how long it's been around, right? But, like, here's the thing, right? I remember watching South Park. At my dad's house, because my folks were split up and it and, and at the point at this point in time, like, you know, my mom was not even letting me watch wrestling, let alone South Park. So I go over to my dad's and I would just consume. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, like, I was watching like South Park and I distinctly also remember like times where late at night I'd watch Aeon Flux and Beavis yeah. and Butthead. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like. It just it really sort of for me talking about anime and stuff like you know um uh like the more adulterated uh uh properties in that scope like you said like it just really becomes this thing of wh- where was it where who because they were like this is drawn right who decided that it was 10 times more offensive yeah it's, it's- who decided that it was more offensive than shit like aeon flux was more in the max, right? Which I know is not anime, but still the max, right? Who decided that that shit was more adulterated than NYPD Blue, right? Yeah. With the most gratuitous, the gratuitous sexy sack sex scenes that I've ever fucking seen. People getting shot all over the place and it's on at 9 p.m. Yeah. So like, well, it, it's it's fear of the unknown. It's puritanism in its core, yeah, right? right? This is not to say like, I'm sure that Japan has its fair share of people that are like, this is very 
this is corrupting the youth, right? I'm sure there's a conservative element there that feels the same way, especially with the declining birth rate and stuff. But it it's just it's just different, right? They this is an industry that really exploded for them, so there's a lot of it's embraced. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just this thing of the goal of the arc is to take you from zero to hero, right? It's from I've watched Dragon Ball Z to I can call out anime shit when I see it now. And I don't <laughs> just mean, I don't just mean I the, see anime on the shelf. Right, I mean, the drawing Marvel is anime. My goal is to have you understand what I mean when I say that at the end. Right. Yes. To be able to say that, but also to be able to self-serve and to have a more, Intelligence, not the word, but a a more on equal footing conversation about stuff that is anime that I want to talk to you about so that I can talk to you about something like One Piece. And it's not just completely and utterly bizarre and a no starter. Right. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's uh, it's one of the things that I have appreciated so much and why I'm looking forward to, to getting started on this arc as much as I am is because I absolutely love when we'll be in conversation with people and somebody will say something to the effect of, well, I don't really like anime. And then they'll say Ghost of Tsushima was the best game <laughs> I've played all year. And you're like, what the fuck do you mean you don't yeah. like anime? Yeah, there's a. There's a person in my life I told Chris that said to me in the same sentence, I don't like all that anime shit. Final Fantasy VII Remake is cool, though. Like <laughs> the amount of internal dissonance some people have, right, with liking the things they like. I, I'm well, not weird for liking this. No. What do you mean? Right. Like, yeah. It's it's baffling to me. I don't I don't I truly do not understand why some people care so much about what the identity of the thing they like is right if, yeah. for me if shit's cool this is my whole this is my thesis state with anime if shit's cool i'm gonna watch it and there is some <laughs> there is some stuff that was made for you chris uh, out, out here in the wilderness of anime yeah yeah all right there is stuff that when we first started talking about doing this show i was looking in my like collection of stuff and i was like this Which is, is this first. is a Chris television show. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this was made for Chris. This is this was my hole. It was made for me. So it's fucking great. Yeah. Well, um, friend of the show, Adam Bailey, has just uh, I told him that we were gonna be recording this this week and getting started on this anime arc. And the only thing he said is just make sure Scott doesn't make you watch Death Note. <laughs> so. Oh my god. Yeah, that Death Note's one of those things, right? So we can talk about this real quick. Yeah. Right. Let's hit it. So once again, hit, hit the me. arc, not sure how many yet, but just a handful. I want to show you an introductory session. This is going to be Yakuza 0. This is trying to outline what pops me in particular and what I think is going to pop you. The tropes of anime, the definition by example. Yeah. We're going to move on to an as of yet undecided film. I'm going to try something a little more highbrow, right? Ooh, not that it, again, it's not high okay. arts. Uh, just like with Star Trek, I'm not trying to say it's a Shakespeare or whatever, but something that's right. a little more cerebral than just watching Death Note. And then yeah. maybe finally, not sure if there's going to be something in between giving you a show to watch, just like we would do with uh, Miss Maisel or other shows. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where I can say, take a look at this, this concept. Right. 
it's not going to be as tightly focused as the movie and not as highbrow. There's going to be episodes that miss. There's going to be weird animation all over the place because we'll talk about budgeting when we get to that point, right? And like the, yeah. the market. But um, this is a complete package that will be your first step into the real consumption of anime culture, at least, which is new shows come out every season just like they do here in the West. And right. you're going to have to find that show that grabs you to go watch it. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited, man, because like, obviously like it's not, it's not because I don't have an appreciation for anime or I'm one of those people where it's like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't watch that anime shit, you know, for yeah. better or worse. Like I love Dragon Ball Z, right? Like we, we play Dragon Ball fighters all the time. And mm -hmm. we've played Dragon Ball Fighters for a long time. And, you know, my brother and I bonded over Dragon Ball Z as a kid. And like, I, I remember, I remember, I remember Voltron fondly. Voltron is an anime. So like, mm -hmm. it's not that this stuff was never interesting to me. It's just that thing of because of the nature of its accessibility and because of my age and where I grew up uh, and or the time period that I grew up, right? I think that I just sort of grew up without having an opportunity to like make that part of my fandom, right? Make that part of the things that I was into and that I liked. So when I eventually saw something like Dragon Ball Z and like Pokemon even, right? I played the Pokemon, uh, I played Pokemon Blue when I was a kid. Um, that grabbed me too. But like that was, I was already at the point where like I was just internalizing and consuming anime as if it were just like a thing that somebody made rather than this bigger medium or concept, right? So looking at Dragon Ball Z as pretty much a North American property, not something that was part of this bigger anime culture that there was stuff out there that I could go and explore more of. I just, Dragon Ball Z was cool. And so I liked Dragon Ball Z, right? And so I've definitely felt the barrier in my adult life a little bit where I look at certain things and I'm like, am I even going to get this right? Like, is this even going to be something that I'm capable of actually internalizing so that I understand what they're going for here? Right. right. Because so much of that stuff can look cool. But I do think that if you don't have an understanding of the medium itself, Something like, to use the example that you used before, beating somebody into the, picking up a motorcycle over your head and repeatedly as if it were a weightless baseball bat, using it to beat them nonstop over the head until they're unconscious, right? You know, the, 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 the point of that might only be to pop you because holy fuck, somebody's getting beat up with a motorcycle, right? But yeah. I think that there is something much more to chew on there when you understand why it coalesces in the moment the way that it does and why it hits the way that it does for people that sort of get it you know yeah i mean it's it's also just this thing of i think you need to stew in the soup for a little bit too i, I think it's i don't think it's that like bugs bunny yeah it's not it's not it's not like something so cerebral you need to yeah, I, I know. I know what you mean. I'm not accusing yeah, for you. Sure. It's not something like you you, you don't understand the history no, of the. No, but, no, no, but it's one of those not. things of something might fly over your head if you're not aware of the culture that it's coming from. Right. Well, it's, just, it's it's the exact same thing as me is like you saying me being like, you know, you don't fucking get why it's 
so crazy that Triple H suplexed Mick Foley onto thumbtacks. The crowd went wild. And if you just don't really have anything to base that off of other than the spectacle of man gets slammed on thumbtacks, you're just going to go, oh, cool, right? That's a great point. I think that there is a story. uh, There's a storytelling component to trying to explain to people why things are cool. So a YouTuber I really like, Emperor Lemon, makes these very interesting kind of I don't want to call them like documentaries or like they're more like video essays where he just talks about things he likes now. And he's really into wrestling and NASCAR, which are like NASCAR for me, way more than wrestling. Wrestling is just more of a I just don't watch it thing. I don't really have an issue with it. He makes these really compelling stories. And like you're mentioning McFoley here, he was talking about I'm not I think it was him winning his story of uh, mankind winning WrestleMania. And he was talking about when he was fighting Undertaker in that hell, hell in a cell where he got thrown off the top like two times in a it single was, match. Uh, King of the Ring in 1995, Pittsburgh, PA, Civic Arena. See, I don't know any of that, but if, to just say, OK, he got thrown off the top two times. Part of me internalizes, right? Oh, that's a hell of a stunt. But right when you see the story and he's telling you about the time he got caught between the ropes and he lost part of his ear and he almost died. And how, when he got thrown off the top, he got thrown off the top. He fell. He literally fell. No real mechanics to it. No like bells and whistles, like a 20 foot drop onto a table. Right. And Mm -hmm. you internalize, man, he is sacrificing himself for his art. And it's hard to get that without, the context right yeah right i mean if you're just watching that having never seen a wrestling match before or having never really paid attention to wrestling outside of you know it's that hillbilly hug fest right um Mm -hmm. that moment doesn't hit and so that's really what i'm looking forward to the most is like so much of the shit that i see in anime be it through dragon ball z um through things like yakuza right like i said before like I've seen Yakuza stuff, clips, footage, trailers, posters. Um, It hits me aesthetically. It's just that thing of like, I think I don't understand why mankind flew off the cell, so to speak. Right. Mm -hmm. So I can't wait, man. I'm really excited. Um, You know, there's uh, there's a lot of great shit out there that I think I have yet to experience. So I just want to now experience it all. And I'm feel like i'm knocking on the gateway so yeah don't you you don't have to worry about a thing jesus take the wheel man i got you i'll be your curator i'll, I'll hold your hand the whole way through and i'll talk you to sleep <laughs> at night and give you a kiss on the forehead <laughs> yeah well i i i would expect no less and yes. if and, and if you are also excited about yakuza zero don't forget you can find all of our previous episodes and the upcoming shill on yakuza zero the first of the anime arc Next Friday up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, all sorts of shit. Like I mentioned earlier, YouTube, you can find our shows there and you can follow us on all the socials at The Many Folds, as well as finding all of our episodes and our website at TheManyFolds.com. Scott, anything you'd like to say in parting? Uh, Big anime titties. Thank you very much. We don't watch that anime shit around here. (laughs) See you next week.